Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. How's it going? I mean, September's half over. Isn't that crazy? What is going on? We're in a time warp or something. I don't know what's going on with time. Uh, I'm prepping this uh, American Crime Story impeachment, which I hope you caught last week's episode with production designer Jamie McCall because that was really good. I mean, I listened to it at least three times. I, I enjoyed it. Um, we are prepping still, um, we're not shooting, I believe till like four weeks. So like mid October and I am exhausted. I, (laughs) this mask wearing is exhausting. I, and I don't, I know I'm not alone. Um, I know my crew feels the same. I, I don't know. I guess I must be like a heavy breather when I'm dressing or something. I didn't realize this, but I'm getting lightheaded when I am dressing. That's not good. Uh, We do take breaks and everything, but you know, you're going and going and then, I don't know, I get a little lightheaded. I don't really like it, but um, I don't, I can't even imagine my swing guys working all day in this, like humping the furniture. I mean, construction, God bless you. I am giving you guys props. I really don't know how you're coping working in these masks. I'm just kind of over it already. You do forget that you have the mask on, but not really, because then you get this like goatee of sweat going on, like, and then then you get a little mask knee. It's like this is like a whole new vocabulary of uh, in our world. I bet. I bet that's going to be added uh, soon. But I don't know. I know we're all staying safe. I I feel completely safe um, where I'm working, honestly. Uh, We're all being tested, and it's it's safer than going to Ralph's. You know what I mean? So other than that, um, shipping items, I'm telling you right now, if you're going to be on a show and you're you're ordering things, shipping is taking longer. So please, just a little tip on that. Um, I've been lucky with a long prep on this, but it's not enough. It's always never enough. Um, I have had a couple people DM me or email me uh, asking specific questions about working in COVID, and I am more than happy to um, respond and 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 talk about uh, anything I can help with, and any experience that I'm having. So um, yeah, that's that's been my week. I was gonna go on this whole rant. <laughs> Uh, Because of the day I had about how we all play this game with budgeting with producers and your department and all. And I'm too tired. (laughs) I'm too tired to go into a rant about uh, being tired of being told that I don't have any money. I don't have any, I don't have enough mandates. I don't, I don't know. It's not worth my rant. You know what I'm going to say. You, because you have it too. We all go into this 
all the time. We don't have money. We don't have manpower. Blah, 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 eh. But yet, it all has to be done. We got to get it done. So I don't know. I'm not going to go into it. Maybe if I had someone here and to go back and forth with, it would probably be better. You don't want to just listen to me. Uh, I do want to tell you that next week I'm going to do an episode special Emmy recap with production designer James Pierce Connolly. So congrats to winners already this week. Um, I haven't looked really yet because I'm waiting to look to see who wins. Um, I do, I record this on Tuesday nights for the Thursday release. So I don't, I don't really know. I don't know all the winners yet. And, um, yeah. So if you ever, you think like, oh, this seems like came out today. Now I, I used to do it the night before and shit got stressful. Like if, if shit didn't upload and then I was up all night trying to get it up, you know, I've had plenty of tech problems on this. You've heard. So it doesn't just end when the mics turn off. I, uh, I got problems getting this all together. So, yeah. Speaking of technical difficulties, this interview you're going to listen to about the, like, one hour mark, you're going to hear some babies screaming, screaming for a good six minutes. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. I tried all these little buttons to try to get the background noise out, and I can't do it. I'm sorry. They literally like getting a diaper change and were just not happy, apparently. <laughs> On top of that, my neighbor is revving up his car uh, in the driveway right next to my window. So there is there's a little bit of uh, background noise in this one. I'm so sorry. But this is, you know, this was COVID, people. This was, uh, you know, I got an office now. It's not going to happen anymore, hopefully. Hopefully. Sorry. So what's one up watching? All right. Uh, I don't even know why I'm watching it. Because uh, there's nothing There's nothing on. I got nothing, really, honestly. I am watching the show The Home Edit on Netflix, which is a reality show. It's basically a makeover show with organization with two women who came up with the home edit brand and um, created their empire through social media. And so, hey, more power to you, girls, because I can't do it. I don't know how to do the social media. I'm exa- I get exhausted by it. You think you're posting. It's not enough. You got to post every day. I don't want to overpost. It's too much. I can't deal with it. I hope you never think that I'm overdoing it, please. But... Uh, I can't believe I watched all of these episodes. Each episode is one regular person and then one celebrity. So they do like a regular dude and then like Reese Witherspoon or Rachel Zoe or Eva Longoria. Um, and they did Retta from Parks and Rec. It's a joke. Okay. Like Khloe Kardashian's garage was already really clean and organized. And then they just went in and like, got some clear containers from the container store and put it together and uh, 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 Retta poor Retta the, the decor that they left her with I wanted to just scream I was screaming at the TV my husband was like what are you doing I mean Reese Witherspoon they went in and put all of her clothes from uh, like uh, Walk the Line or Legally Blonde and uh, big little lies they put <laughs> they put her 
like wardrobe that she took off of the <laughs> off of the off of the set probably you know they gave it to her and then a couple of her oscar dresses and everything and they displayed it it was first of all it was a letdown to see reese witherspoon's small closet that was a letdown you really want to be a letdown watch it just to see rachel zoe who is a fashion person her word her closet is un unimpressive unimpressive for someone who is a stylist i don't know and then they jam-packed all of these clothes color coordinated of course into this closet i don't even know how she could get shit in and out i i'm telling you right now I, i'm jealous that's what it is i am jealous of these two women who i did some cool postings on instagram and probably tagged Reese Witherspoon or Martha Stewart and got discovered. And now, and they wrote a book and now they're making millions of dollars. And I, I can't, I can't, that's my rant. I don't, I can't, I don't know why I'm watching it. Anyway, it's called The Home Edit. It's on Netflix. Maybe check it out. They're putting everything in rainbows and getting paid like millions of dollars. I don't get it. I, I, I mean, what am I doing? And what am I doing wrong? Ugh. On a lighter note, <laughs> I rewatched Fast Times at Richmond High, which is always so good. Such a fantastic movie. I never get sick of it. And I love to see the teenage bedrooms and how they were decorated for the era, for the time. Like, it's just so perfect. It's such a great movie. I, la I still laugh. Sean Penn is amazing in that movie. Uh, and then we went into... we. Rewatched Breakfast Club, which is a gem. Always. Can't turn that off ever. Uh, we started the series Get Shorty, which I think is on Netflix. And uh, I like Ray Romano when he's not on Everybody Loves Raymond. I loved that uh, series that he was in, A Man of a Certain Age, was the best. It was on TNT. It was really good. Anyway, Get Shorty. We're like three or four episodes in. It's good. It's it's watchable. It's good. Oh, yeah. The, the sets are, uh, the sets are good. Uh, and then we started Away, which is on Netflix. And I don't know. They spent a lot of money on this. They should have spent a little bit more on the script. They spent a lot of money on the sets. The sets are fantastic. I mean, you're in space. You got all this space shit. I don't know. Space shit. I don't know if I could ever do it. Unless, I guess you're just making it up. I don't know. It's a lot. They got a whole garden and the spaceship and the bedroom. I don't know. A lot of buttons. It's a lot of dressing you don't think about, but it's a lot. So, I don't know. We're three episodes in. I'm going to finish it. My husband gave up. He's done. So that's, that's what we've been watching. In this episode, I speak to storyboard artist Gabriel Hardman. And I spoke to him in July, so this is a little COVID dated, but uh, just letting you know. I watched the documentary Harold and Lily and a Love Story, which is on Netflix. I told you to watch it. Fantastic story about storyboard artist Harold Nicholson and his career, which is unbelievable. Um, it shows great visually what an actual storyboard artist does. So if you're interested beyond this interview, please check that out too. Um, he was married to a film researcher, Lillian Nicholson, whose library we have all used. It's a fantastic documentary. Please watch it. But in the documentary, they interview uh, a storyboard artist working today who is Gabriel Hardman. 
And I thought, damn, I'd really like to talk to that guy. So I reached out and he didn't think I was a psycho and he responded and now he's on the podcast. I really am trying to venture out of just like not doing art department people like hopefully you've listened to Beth McCarthy Miller who was a director, Caleb Duffy a location manager, Jonathan Fisher is an editor, Jeff Rosenberg I have coming up in a couple weeks who is an AD and a director because these other positions are so valuable and a storyboard artist I mean it's defined as the position in the art department, but he really works with the director, as Gabriel will explain. Uh, lucky for me, Gabriel was up for this interview um, because his resume is seriously impressive. Huge films like Ford vs. Ferrari, The Pirates of the Caribbean, Logan, Interstellar. Could you imagine storyboarding Interstellar? I, how do you even... Uh, Dark Knight Rising, Inception, even that. How do you do that? Angels and Demons, Tropic Thunder, the Spider-Man movies, the Austin Power movies, like just a phenomenal resume. Uh, these films that he's worked on is incredible. I definitely learned from this interview, more so just specifically about the storyboarding position. And if you are interested in it, he really gives in depth of, of what you got to get going on. Um, just an amazing amount of imagination and talent to have this position. Amazing skills. So I hope you enjoy. Because that's, oh, you know, fantastic. you kind of have to promote the books that you do through stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's do, doing podcasts and, you know, doing podcasts with people I don't know or haven't talked to before is not an unfamiliar thing for oh, me Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> what, uh, what podcasts have you been on? Just so I can, like, uh, uh, up or something. Just, you know, mostly there's stuff you know, angled towards comics. I mean, you know, and a bunch of other random things about a podcast about Bob Dylan, a podcast about, you know, uh, you know, just other stuff that, you know, I like, because there'll be some level of crossover between people hearing me on the uh, comics oriented stuff, or maybe some movie oriented thing. But, uh, um, you know, uh, I think I did a little, you know, uh, a little thing on, um, uh, the, oh God, what's the, um, how did this get made? The movie podcast about bad movies. Oh yeah. Uh, cause I, uh, the Paul Shear and, um, the comedians, uh, because I've worked on some bad movies <laughs> as well as, uh, you know, uh, as other stuff. So yeah. I don't think you've worked on some, I bad... think they covered one of the things like I worked on wild, wild west or something, you know, that they oh. covered on there. Oh yeah. Well, but Hey. It was huge when it came out. <laughs> it's no, it's, I mean, it's just amusing. I, it's not like I'm more, you know, it's, I'm not at a point in my career where I'm super worried about being, you know, perceived as having worked on some, you know, lousy movie early on when I was starting out. I know it's weird. I have obviously 
things that you're like, and no one ever saw that. And you're like, oh, I really liked the what I did in that. Nobody saw it. Like it's such a yeah, bummer. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's such a like. Right. Oh. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess I can. For yeah, me, it's, it's probably, like, oh, I'll use that lamp again because <laughs> yeah. no one saw right. this right, other right. thing. <laughs> yes, right, right. Um, so I saw you in the the documentary about Harold yeah. Nicholson. Yeah, and I was like, oh, because yeah. I just fell in love with that. That I saw a week or so ago, and I was like, wow. And and yeah, trying to broaden. Um, just getting to know people in other um, department or other positions in the art department and, and making the audience aware that they're, they're just, not, I just don't work with like designers and everything. Like there's so many little spokes that we have, especially in the art department. Um, sure. And I know at one time of the like 10 things I wanted to be when I started figuring out what an art department was, was a storybook artist. Like I got on my little cells and then I was like, I got a, a script off of a friend. God, what was it? I forget what it was. Um, and tried to like storyboard the whole film or something. And right, right. so, but I'm not, obviously I didn't go with that path, but it was so interesting to me of how a storyboard artist really is on top of it before anybody else is even around. I mean, Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, certainly I'm often one of the first people hire, you know, so it's uh, and often there. Wait, are we starting yet? Have oh, yeah. Sorry. Yet? I just I okay. just record the whole thing and then I just edit as we like as we start. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. I mean, I'm, it's all right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm usually one of the first people hired often like you know, often there will not even quite be a script at that point. Although that's often the case throughout much of the, of the process for me, the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, they, you know, just as often as not are starting with, um, uh, with, you know, like just the most basic rudimentary, uh, elements and and wanting to get things moving so i'll come on and i'll meet with the director and you know uh, and a lot of what i do is kind of invent sequences or or jump off of of i you know broader ideas for sequences and uh and try to craft something to then show the director pitch the director and kind of move the process forward so like uh yeah very very often i'm you know i'm starting with you know, very little and just trying to, you know, either come up with ideas or get things going or uh, pitch sequences that, uh, you know, that, and, you know, elements of those will be incorporated as, as it goes. So I mean, the, 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 um, the way it's not, the, the movies, pretty much the only movies where it's not like that are the Christopher Nolan movies, because those are, those always had a script at the beginning. Hmm. The script may change to some extent, but not, usually not in any, really significant way so the, i mean that their you know the way their way of working is much different from everybody else's um and much different from most of the you know films i worked on over my career to me then you would have to have some sort of background or knowledge or passion of like how the camera moves and how the camera works um so did you did you go to school for film i did not um i I actually didn't really go to school at all. I, I, I couldn't. Uh, You're just a I, super I didn't talent. Come for money, and I couldn't. 
<laughs> well, I just couldn't afford it, you know? So, yeah. uh, like, uh, and I, um, I did get a, I got a scholarship to go to uh, art school, to go to school of visual arts in New York, but I only had enough like cobbled together scholarship money to go for uh, a semester and somehow hope to, you know, to continue after that. But, which I didn't, I, I didn't. Uh, and it was, um, it was a little bit like, um, uh, it, it, it felt a little like I'd been there and done that before because I had, I had gone to a high school that had a, uh, a focus on visual yeah, arts. Nice. So I, I had a certain percentage of that, you know, and my mother is a fine artist and I always came up with a sort of, you know, some kind of art, you know, background, but, uh, but I, you know, and, and some of the teachers that I had in the high school, uh, were tougher than the ones I, I did in the, <laughs> uh, uh, in, in, at school of visual arts and, and at school of visual arts, these, the freshman people were, many of them were coming in just being, you know, not, not having a lot of experience with that stuff and, and were, you know, and, uh, and so it, it felt kind of like I'd already done this and didn't feel like it was worth going on. And at the same time, I had always, um, uh, I had been a fan of comics when I was younger. I, I mean, I'm still a fan of comics, but I mean, I had, uh, I'd ended up, um, uh, trying to get into drawing comics as a, you know, to, in, in my mind, that was a way to make money as a, uh, you know, with art. And so I did end up getting into uh, drawing some Marvel comics when I was younger. Like uh, when I was 18, I did a book for them. And for a couple of years, I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I made a living off of drawing comics uh, until uh, the, um, you know, the comics are actually kind of very volatile industry and they, the bottom will fall out of it every couple of years. <laughs> and, uh, and when that happened, uh, I had just moved out to Los Angeles and kind of just told everybody that I was going to be a storyboard artist, despite making no real effort at this and having no plan. You had a vision and, board. Um, you obviously had yeah. a vision board and uh, you drew yeah, a vision well, board. Yeah, probably. I, had, I mean, absolutely. I, and I had experience with, I mean, this, this is all about storytelling, right? It's all yeah. about visual storytelling. So like, uh, you know, comics are visual storytelling and the storytelling and the visual are equally important, right? They're, I mean, it's, uh, it's not, uh, it, it's not about, you know, writing something that is then kind of slavishly, um, you know, uh, recreated visually. It's all, you know, it's all storytelling, visual storytelling. So like I'm bringing those, you know, those skills to, to try to be a storyboard artist, but also just, uh, you know, I was, you know, a comic book fan, but I'm really a, a film fan, right? I was, I'm, you know, Hitchcock's my favorite director. The, I'm like, you know, fil- filmmaking was, you know, just as a, as an amateur, I, I read everything, right. you know, I read film history and film books, I saw a million movies. And so all this stuff was, you know, uh, which I didn't really do in some sort of calculated way. It turned out to be very, very important when I got, you know, my first jobs doing storyboards because I could kind of bullshit my way through it, you know, right. and, um, and more or less know what people were talking about, even though I didn't study any of this, you know, properly. And so you move... I mean, I am kind of the same thing. I mean, I I went to school for interior design, but I didn't go to school for set decorating. But I was a huge mm-hmm. film dork and knew that yeah, guy yeah. who was in that film, who was, you know, the, the guy's best friend and I could name it. Like, I was that kind of person. So I do feel like every everything I did lended up to me getting to where I am, even sure. though I didn't I didn't study for exactly this. And obviously, it t- especially with 
you know, being a fine artist and, and I mean, having that talent is something that you, first of all, you don't want to waste. And secondly, like once, I think once you specify what you really want to do, you just explode, you just, your whole passion just goes into it. Like you just explode into it. So go, moving out and telling everybody you're going to be a storyboard artist, I believe you. Like, I'd be yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that guy's well, going to be a story about it. Well, I mean, the way I, ended up getting my, the, the way I ended up getting into it was really literally just, I uh, I went to like a book, I was a big fan of Twin Peaks, this is in the 90s, yeah. I, and, uh, and, uh, and like, uh, I went to a book signing for Mark Frost, who's one of the co-creators of Twin Peaks, and like standing in line to get my book signed, I'm like talking, you know, the guy next to me is talking to me, and like, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, well comic book artist but i want to do storyboards and he's like oh yeah well i know this guy's agent storyboard agent uh you know uh here i'll give you his number and so uh literally i just the next day i just called up that agent said hey i met so and so uh he recommended i call you and the guy was like okay well come up with some do you have some samples uh to show and uh and i was like absolutely and uh, made a do you know made an appointment to bring him to him the next day. I did not have any samples, so I stayed <laughs> up that night and just uh, I and just drew a sequence. I uh, actually between uh, between art school, my one semester of art school, and starting to draw comics, I was a security guard at the Guggenheim nice. uh, for like nine months. The Guggenheim Museum, right? Mm-hmm. I was like literally like an eighteen year old kid. I should not have had this job, but the. Um, <laughs> But I had always, you know, and, and, you know, spending hours and hours just standing around, uh, I had, you know, I'd always kind of pictured a big, you know, big action sequence in, uh, you know, in the rotunda, in the, in the Guggenheim, you know. And so I was like, well, I'll just, you know, I just basically just boarded out uh, that, the, uh, you know, the, my imagined action sequence from, uh, uh, you know, uh, as, as if it were, you know, boards for a film. I took that to the agent. He was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. I could get you work off of this. He got me some commercials. Uh, and pre- relatively quickly, that led to uh, working on uh, Austin Powers, on the first Austin Powers movie, which was a tiny, tiny movie. Uh, it was a $16 million movie that was non-union when it started. And, um, in, you know, in pre-production, it was non-union. And so I could work on it at that point. Right. And, uh, and it was it turned out to be a really good experience uh and a really valuable experience i mean the movie also went union when it uh when it started shooting so that my uh that you know i the producer was able to you know i was able to get the producer to to call uh it was not the art director's guild then we were a separate thing as yeah. uh, uh, an illustrators guild and uh and he reported my hours and then i was in the union like i, Damn, I, I got in the union very quickly and sort of you know it was just all things that lined up really well for me so i, I gotta go back because really i think it's super important that you networked to like i always say like networking going to events or like going to that book signing or whatever you never know who you're going to meet because you never know who they know oh yeah you know what i mean okay. it's not exactly that person i always always say that it's like oh, hey, you know, my friend does so-and-so. You guys should meet up. Cause, and especially, I think, when when we were... Because I came out in 99. When we were young, and mm-hmm. you, get, you get this, like, group of people that you hang out with, and you're all kind of, like... Everybody wants to be something different in Hollywood, mostly. That then you're like, hey, my friend's an agent. Or, hey... So you have all these people that you might know 
that are in different sections that you aren't in. And I mean, that's just incredible that the guy was just, I, and to be honest, I never knew that storyboarders had agents. So I'm blown away. Well, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. They, they don't need them. Yeah. I was going to say I, like, uh, you know, I mean like, you know, did you have to I, give that guy there, money? There are, I mean, there are a couple of, of storyboard agencies and there probably still are. I'm honestly not sure. I only really kept the agent for like the first year until it was kind of clear that I was getting the jobs based on, you know, word yeah. of mouth from other people I had worked with. Yeah. And then, you know, and it, I'd never signed a contract with him. And then when it came time to, I was kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll just see how it goes on my own. And that was 1997 or something. So it's, it, yeah. I haven't had an agent since then and haven't needed one. It's, but it was a, a I mean, the way that it's valuable is basically getting work on commercials because, you know, that that's just that that's a lot more like scattershot than than working on films. But I don't I don't like to work on commercials and I don't. I neither do I. Possible. So (laughs) I mean, the only yeah, the only time I work on commercials is if it's a feature director that I know who needs them, you know, Um, but uh, generally I avoid that if at all possible. So it's not, that part of it isn't an issue for me. And I really just get jobs based on recommendations. God, that going, Hey, that's an incredible, uh, story backed up by you had the talent to, you know, make up a whole portfolio in one night and and get that agent and, or get hired on even a small movie. Like that's, that's incredible. Although, Although I will say that the very first job I did was uh, was a, a Honda commercial. It was uh, it was on New Year's Eve. No, no, it was on Christmas Eve. It was I was like you know the and it was this British director who would, he's just a commercial director and it was the worst experience of my life. Like I literally <laughs> this guy was so miserable and he was so uh, like kind of he just abusive towards me and insulting that, uh, that I, like I came out of that job and, and literally just said, you know, to the agent, I'm not, this, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not doing this. Right. <laughs> and I, I was going to just, that was going to be it for me. Cause I mean, you know, he literally kept me until like midnight on Christmas Eve and then said my work, you know, and you know, but my did. work was garbage and he just endlessly insulted me. And like, and then after that, like whoever they got to replace me on that job called up the agent and was like, you know, the boards that guy did were actually really good. I don't know what this director's talking about. So, uh, so then the agent called me back and was like, why don't you just try another one? Maybe this wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. And, and then I did another one and it was fine. And I've never had any kind of experience like that again. Uh, And, you know, even when I've, and I've worked for a lot of particularly difficult uh, feature directors, and that's kind of like my specialty. Like I, 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 I deal with that pretty well. So this this guy was just a sort of bitter anomaly, and uh, and just and it was a, a really really bad first experience. And if I didn't just give it another shot, I would have just Man. left and ne- never tried it. Well, good for you. What a dick. That was your test. <laughs> that was your test to see if you were yeah. you were cutting out for this. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering when you have such interaction with a director then where in the process or at all does like the does working with a production designer come in it's it's a weird situation and it's often very fraught because uh if 
you know, also with the director of photography, but much more so with the designer, because if, uh, like, because I report to the director, the director's kind of my boss 99% of the time. Right. Uh, But obviously, I'm a member of the art department, and I've had several circumstances where that just becomes, uh, you know, either a lot of cool production designers I've worked with who are just, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're not threatened by that situation. Like, uh, um, Francois Adoui is a friend of mine. He's, uh, designed Ford Ferrari and, and, you know, uh, uh, and Logan and everything. And we've known each other for 20 years, but the, um, like, you know, and working on the movies with Jim Mangold is all very much just everybody's there to do their job. And there's very little, there, there's actually very little of that kind of, you know, politicking and jealousy that goes on and uh which is very refreshing i've been in other experiences other situations where you know where the the production designer can get extremely threatened by the fact that i'm reporting to the director and make my life a little bit difficult but to me i'm just there to do the job i just want to i mean i want to interface with the art department as much as humanly possible because that's where i can get the information and do the most you know i do the most accurate boards i want to talk to visual effects i want to talk to you know, uh, to anybody that is going to give me like information that will help me do the, you know, make the most useful boards possible. So like, it's, uh, you know, sometimes that can get a little weird, but, uh, there are situations where I've been inexplicably like banned from the art department and stuff, but, uh, just, just one experience like that. Do you you think it's because you're creating something that then they have to, um, achieve and they're yeah. and they didn't have input on it in a sense i think that's their fear but i don't think that that's what um i don't think that's what the real situation is especially since i'm in no way um i'm in no way even trying to exert any design influence on the movie i i really am about storytelling and i'm i'm about visual storytelling and how to uh you know how to like how to make you know, sequences work, how to, you know, how to tell the story right. in pictures, but not about, you know, not about design, not about trying to, to influence that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I mean, and really the, the position of a storyboard artist is really odd in uh, the hierarchy, hierarchy of things just because I'm reporting to the director, but I'm not but a lot, you know, in a lot of ways, storyboard artists are not considered. You know, it's not a a super respected position often in uh, in the scheme of things. So, but it is what it is. You know, you're there to do your job. You you're there to you know you're there to to tell the story. The director is the one you deal with for the most part. And if everything's working, you're you know you're dealing with everybody. And right. You well, know, yeah, uh, you are. You get all the information. You can from because and I'm I'm going to ask you about research in a minute, but. Just so I have, like, a visual point, like, say, in the film Inception. Did, yeah. So I would think maybe that whole film was storyboarded because of every single sequence seems like it should have been or something. So were, so a scene, like, was the beginning scene, like, the bathtub scene, was that storyboarded? Uh, um, I... Very a vast majority of the movie was. Yeah. I mean, I uh, the there were, I know I know I opened, I know the very opening sequence was. I know that uh, you know that most 
you know, most of the big sequences throughout it were, though, I ended up spending the majority of my time on, you know, the the ending multi-level dream stuff. The wake-up scene. You know, scene. for the last big chunk of the movie. Yeah, that big wake-up scene. Because all of that is, was so, yeah, all of that was so interconnected and... Um, well, yeah, I mean, I even good. just rewatched it again, and I had to count, like, physically on my hand, like, wait, they're in this dream, they're in that, and then they yeah. went deep, and then it's three, and then, okay, now this is four, and then they're in her. I think we're in five levels right now, like, I, yeah, and I've I, seen the I movie a, a couple times, and I still had to physically, like, count it out. Yeah, honestly, I get a little panicky when I start <laughs> <thinking> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. sitting there with that stuff, you know? It's, you know, and uh, that was my first movie with Chris Nolan, and uh, it was, um, and he had never seriously used a storyboard artist before. Uh, he's, Interesting. There, you know, he had, he's he's gotten where he is because of uh, a, a certain discipline and control over everything, and so, yeah. um, no I chairs. he felt that, <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> look, I had a chair, I don't okay, know. Okay, <laughs> good, okay. You know, I just read that, I just read that, like, a week ago or something, like, he doesn't like chairs. On yeah, oh, I, I think that that's actually one of the. I I've spent basically no time on. I mean, there are other movies where I've spent the entire shoot on set, but that on uh, on his movies, I really haven't. I didn't at all because it was there was just no reason to. You know, mm-hmm. uh, everything is so kind of cut and dried with him. But the um, but that whole thing about the chairs is a little <laughs> nonsense. I mean, I think that he doesn't have. You know, I think they don't have chairs at Video Village or whatever. But like. Does everybody sit around in a chair on no. set? I mean, no. most people don't. It's just a no. hierarchical thing where people, where important, pe- a couple of important people get chairs. So when everybody freaks out about it, I think they're yeah. maybe not super aware of how sets actually work. So, you know, whatever. No. But the, um, uh, <laughs> you know, the, uh, <laughs> still, I'm, uh, I, um, I'm wondering though, I think so with the scene, uh, with this, with that wake up, oh, sorry. Yeah. With, so, I'm trying to think of it too, because then I started thinking about that wake up scene. The wake up scene. So, if you're storyboarding that, and the designer, I mean, there has to be some elements of even furniture wise that need to be there to achieve the storyboard yeah. vision that the director wants. So it does trickle down or trickle over whatever oh, into into many does. other All departments. That- to some extent, if I'm not getting, uh, if I'm not getting anything, you know, or there, there isn't anything from, you know, the art department yet, if there aren't illustrations, if there's not, if they haven't done much research yet on things like that, uh, I, you know, in a way, I'll try to keep things a little bit vague. I mean, I actually just don't really want to, uh, I don't want to make those decisions. I don't want to step on that. I want to yeah. just get the idea of the story across, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and ultimately, it's like I, I feel like for the most part, I do um, pretty, you know, uh, I put a lot into the drawing, but you don't have to. I, I don't think that that's necessarily the important part about storyboards. The important part about storyboards is a communication. And it's, a, it's basically like a, you know, it's a sort of visual script, but it's also kind of a, just a document to, to get, you know, to, to kind of distribute these ideas to the rest of the crew. So it's not really like I'm, you know, uh, it's, 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 and it's always a work in progress. You know, it's always some, I mean, it, it, to the degree that like, uh, I, I think that, you know, 
I mean, this is the case with everybody on a film. I mean, to some extent, your work can be thrown out, of course, um, and uh, and everybody's is. But as a storyboard artist, you do you spend weeks doing you know an enormous amount of work on something that just in an instant can be thrown out, and then you just do it again and again and again. It's it's never you yeah. can never hold on to things. You can never. Uh, um, you know, you can never be precious about something. So to an extent, it is about just communicating the ideas less than it's about, um, you know, making pretty pictures or trying to, uh, uh, trying to somehow influence those, you know, those other aspects of the film. But the I, design or I, I think too, one of the things that I'm sure when you present a sequence and you're thinking too about lighting that, uh, yeah. that that's influential to the director and or the DP of how you've lit your, you know, your storyboard and, and the, the emotion that you're giving yeah. to those drawings. It's something that if a director could probably f- completely fall in love in and then like want, 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 want. So it is, it is very critical, the emotion that you're giving to a lot of the boards, I'm assuming. Yeah, and I think that, that part of it is really important to me, too. The, the, um, the emotion and the, the atmosphere of it and, uh, and trying, to, trying to create boards that are expressive rather than uh, just accurate. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in the past, it was very, you know, very much about um, just you know, making sure that the boards were shootable, which due to the way that things have changed technically is somewhat less important there. You can shoot almost anything now, but the, um, but also, you know, previous (laughs) exists. They're very specific there. You know, you can, you can make a little model and it can be exact what the set's going to be. And then you can have a little CG character in there that represents, you know, where the actor is going to, you know, in theory stand in space, but it's not expressive. It's dead. It's, you know, right. it's not, uh, you know, there, there's not the emotion there. There's not the feeling in the atmosphere. And so I feel like the, you know, the best thing that I can bring to stuff like this is telling the story and also conveying that kind of emotion and expressive quality to it that can get something across that you can't get just from, uh, you know, um, you know, something like, uh, you know, something like previs, which is great about showing the motion and about describing the lenses and, and a lot of other stuff. I have nothing against previs and I've spent an enormous amount of time working with previs artists, but the, um, but like, I, I think that for doing boards, it, it is very much about the expressiveness of, you know, the, the, yes. you know, uh, something underneath just those technical things. Um, so what, when you get a script, what would your process be? Or it, uh, like you were saying, you, I mean, you only get full scripts on maybe some of the movies. Is it more of a description of one scene or they're handing you over like one scene to storyboard? Like what is your process even with that? I mean, usually, I mean, ideally I'll get, it's not like I'm cut out of the loop of getting the scripts. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, ideally I'll, yeah. I'll have read the whole script, whatever, you know, state it's in. Uh, but the, um, you know, when I, I, it has a lot to do with talking about the director, about what the tone that they're looking for is, but, uh, it also is, um, hopefully something where I can just connect to that tone Hmm. and then, um, you know, and get that out of the script to an extent or get that out of, um, 
whatever, um, you know, mood type research and photos and stuff that the director is coming with. And I, you know, and I really just, and I also think about, um, you know, if it's a director who's, you know, who, uh, who's made other films, who has a body of work, I'll try to look at those films and get a sense of where they're coming from generally, uh, storytelling wise. Like I, um, you know, I mean, I, I, and some, and you usually, to some extent, I'm trying to, uh, to kind of guess at their sensibilities, Mm. you know, so, um, and, and get, get something that reflects, uh, you know, their sensibilities while I'm still contributing something to it. So, uh, and obviously it's their film. They're going to go make the film and it's going to be what it's going to be. But, uh, but like, I, I, you know, I want, I, there's no point in trying to, uh, you know, to, to, there's no point in not doing that. You know, I mean, I, I want to, uh, you know, I mean, I had seen Nolan's films before. I mean, I'd seen Jim Mangold's films, you know, I, uh, and, you know, and there are some people that I don't, like, uh, sensibility-wise, I have almost nothing in common with Sam Raimi. But I worked with him very, very closely, and I, and I you know, and I just tried to put myself, uh, you know, in... Uh, but I think that's you know, smart. In, in a, I think you're, space, you're in, almost changing... I mean, you have to change gears. and We all do, in a sense, of now what... I'm not going to bring in all black furniture if i know that they you know the director likes light things or something like that like something simple like that like it's smart to adjust to well this guy's style is more of like a push-in a lot of push-ins or like you know quick quick cuts or whatever so i think that's that's important yeah and probably yeah i mean i also do have really strong you know, sensibilities and really, and, and strong ideas about storytelling and, and what, you know, what's good and bad. And I'll fight for those and I'll make my opinion known. So yeah, it's not making like, it your own. it's a two way street, you know? Yeah. yeah. Do you ever storyboard with the actors in mind? Like if you knew someone who yeah. was going to be cast, is that, does that influence at all? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it does, it depends on, I mean, the degree, I mean, obviously, if I know exactly who it's going to be, I'll draw some sort of likeness, you know, uh, mm. and I'll try to get, you get the sense of that. I mean, I, when I worked on, uh, uh, I, I, I worked on, uh, Tropic Thunder with Ben Stiller. <laughs> I and, just, uh, I just I rewatched well that. <laughs> and... I, yeah, that was a really good experience for me, actually, and, but Ben was very focused on getting likenesses for people and uh and so that that could be a little bit of a stumbling block at times but uh but like i i um but then there's also things where like you know say i'm working on onboarding something that stars harrison ford well i've seen a lot of harrison ford movies and Mm -hmm. i have internalized harrison ford and how he you know um tends to uh you know, like the way he moves and the kind of stuff he does. And it's, and that stuff's going to get in there. It's going to get right. on the board. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I rewatched Tropical Thunder because thinking like, what could he have storyboarded, storyboarded in that? But there are a couple sequences of like the bombs going off and or the ending scene at the bridge. I'm assuming. That yeah. All that were... was boarded. 
Um, and and, did and you, I wasn't the only board artist on there. There were a couple others. But, did you, know. you uh, in any way have to storyboard that dance that Tom Cruise does? <laughs> I did not, no. Oh, and I think all of that kind of developed af when they were shooting it. So, uh, like, it wasn't really conceived as that initially. It was conceived a little bit more of a straight, you know, scene. Oh but, uh, but I think no, it's his I best role. I actually, day. I think it's Tom Cruise's <laughs> yeah. best role, to be honest. I'm not a huge <laughs> Cruise fan, but like, what? I, I, it's hysterical. I think that whole movie is hysterical. I was kind of excited to watch it again, but um, yeah, it's good. It holds up. It's good. I mean, Danny McBride's. In, I had forgotten that Danny McBride's in it, yeah. and like and Nick yeah, Nolte. Right. I was like, oh my god. But um, yeah, I remember actually seeing Nick Nolte. This is dumb Hollywood stuff, but I, I. Um, in the, in the offices, I remember uh, I was walking down the hall and I was like, I wonder who that super old guy uh, Ben Still is talking to. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't he doesn't hold up well in person. I wonder who that amazingly craggy guy is that Ben Still is talking to. Yeah. As I got, oh yeah, it's Nick Milky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's great though. He's amazing. Oof. Rough. It's rough. It's it's rough. I could. Uh, yeah. God bless him. Uh, but uh, I forget what I was going to ask next. Um, there's something about Tropic Thunder. No, I forget. Um, oh, is is it uh, a different gear for you to storyboard a comedy versus a an action or a drama? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I, you know, I started out doing Austin Powers, and I, and I started out, you know, doing a lot of comedies. Yeah, in my career. Flubber. And, um, what was the other one? You know, yeah. The and, other, I mean, Mr. Magoo. Oh my God! Yeah, that was terrible. But the um, <laughs> the other Austin Powers, the, uh, and that was also West. a somewhat terrible experience. It was an interesting experience. The director was uh, was a Hong Kong action director, and he uh, uh, he did a lot of uh, he had been a stunt guy, and uh, he would frequently do like high kicks right right in your face, like two <laughs> inches from your face, and uh, and like uh, stuff like that. Not super comfortable with that. Yeah, uh, but uh, he he was it was it was a, that was a weird one because it was not a the script wasn't funny he wasn't funny and it was uh, it was awkward but the uh, but like it is a different skill set sort of for uh, for thinking about like the visuals of comedy and like I uh, and I think that I mean it's it's more about showing stuff than giving the impression of stuff I mean action is more about um, you know getting you know, getting the idea across in, in, you know, sort of minimal terms or something. And comedy is more about showing you things, you know, you, you yeah. have to actually see the, the gag in order to understand yeah. it and appreciate it. And I mean, I worked early, uh, you know, multiple times with Mike Myers. And while those movies aren't the most visual movies in the world, uh, Mike was, Mike was always very, very, you know, he's one of those kind of uh, comedy analyzing comedy type of guys, you know, he, he thinks a lot about it and he, uh, and you know, his, uh, you know, Mike Myers himself is very analytical and he, you know, uh, he's, he's not, you know, despite doing very broad stuff, he, you know, he thinks a lot about the uh, comedy in a kind of schematic way, which is, was very, uh, you know, enlightening for me and, and, and interesting and, you know, uh, you know, help me, um, you know, kind of have a point of view on, on this stuff. Yeah, I mean, you did all three of the Austin Powers. It must have been a, a, a journey of growth, not just for the character, but just your relationship with knowing 
what he wanted or what you wanted the scenes yeah. to be. And also Jay Roach, the director. Did also. Um, you know, that was the first one was Jay Roach's first movie. The first Austin Powers was the first feature he directed. So it was kind of, uh, you know, it was very much a, you know, kind of a learning experience for everybody. Mm. And, uh, you know, so, uh, which was a good way for me to start as well, you know, um, and, um, and I spent a lot of time, uh, but also, you know, since it was such a small movie and Mike Myers career at that point was not, uh, you know, it had like, he, he did, uh, like the second Wayne's world had disappointed and he, right. did, uh, sorry, married, an axe, married an axe murder or, uh, if that's what it's called, uh, which was uh, a good movie, but not successful. No. And so like, you know, he was trying to like, you know, come back. It was a little movie. He spent a lot of time there. I spent a lot of time, you know, we would go over to his house and, uh, you know, and sit around and, and, you know, like he, he, and he has an odd way of approaching things where like he would put on, uh, is this know, Mike or uh, Jay? Friend- this is Mike Myers. Mike, like okay. uh, Mike Myers would put on, you know, uh, um, Francois Truffaut's The 400 Blows, and we would sit there and watch <laughs> it, and he would, like, pause it and go, could we have a shot like this? And I'm just like, like what does this have to do with the, with the, my, the Austin Powers again? But, like, uh, but he, he could come at things in a very oblique way that's also, you know, kind of more interesting than, you know, than less, you know, straightforward or something. Have you, have you, um, have you always worked in the same medium throughout your career? Or do you, do you switch No, up I or? mean, at the beginning, everything was still analog, you know? I mean, it was, uh, it was drawing on paper and, uh, and distributing the, you know, making photocopies and distributing those. I mean, I did, you know, uh, at different times I would work in pencil or, uh, with markers and, um, I, over the course but you know in the last whatever it is 15 years or so i i you know i've i've really only worked digitally and it's just you know as much because that's how you can how like the distribution model of it works you know i mean you yeah. you basically you know you have to give people a pdf and you're not going to sit there scanning the pages you know so uh and it also just gives you a lot more flexibility to work digitally um I mean, for the comics and graphic novels that I do, um, I, I draw those on paper. I draw those traditionally, and I'm very kind of messy and expressive with, you know, the ink, and, and I, I like uh, I like the tactile quality of that. But that's a, you know, each page is the final product, and that just gets scanned, and, you know, that's what goes in the, in the book. So this, and, you know, and doing boards is way more erratic than that. There's, you know things get dropped and changed and whatever at a moment's notice. So it's, it's just, it's not actually, there's not like a practical way to do it when it's not digital. That said, Christopher Nolan has this idea (laughs) that, uh, you know, that like everything has to be, you know, some sort of lo-fi, uh, you know, uh, analog thing. And so when I started on Inception, he was like, uh, uh, he was like, well, I, I want you to draw all of these in pencil on paper. Jesus. And uh, which is not in any way the norm at the time. Right. And so uh, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, of course, you know. And uh, I, 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 I gather that there's some, you know, some idea that, you know, if you're, if you do that, you have to commit to the lines that you make because you're going to have to erase it or something. I, I don't know. But it, uh, but when I well, came back to. Uh, it's a discipline. It, uh, so like I did that, in, uh, you know. 
I, so I did Inception and I came back to do the third Batman movie. And in the first uh, meeting with him, I, you know, I was like, you know, I, if I drew these digitally, it would go faster. And, uh, and he just like stared at me and said, you're fooling yourself. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's, so but, uh, that's kind of what it's like working with Christopher Nolan. So, um, the, but, uh, it, like, uh, so yeah, I, uh, <laughs> the reality is it does go faster if you draw it digitally, but, um, for whatever reason, that's, that's what you wanted. That's what I did. That was fine. I, uh, I almost did some, um, uh, reshoots of, oh my God, now I, I, now I lost it. Um, it's like a vampire movie coming out with Jared Leto and, um, but scheduling wise, I couldn't do oh, it. And I, yes. And I started to even like prep, like even for a couple days and they showed me this action sequence that they had to put into the movie. And I mean, it was done. I mean, every piece of, every piece of dressing was like in this like computer generated, you know, four minute sequence that they, you know, sent out to us. And I was like, fuck it, man, just render it be done. (laughs) Why are we just like, I don't know. All right. But, and unfortunately I didn't get to do it, but. I was I was so impressed. I didn't realize that. I thought it I mean there were some things that were still wireframed and everything, but I was like, "Oh, this is like completely done out." I don't This is crazy. Am I yeah. supposed to get that I, well, sofa? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have I don't personally have anything against previous. I spent a lot of time working with previous, but at the same time, and obviously my job is about like planning things and stuff. Right. But my Personally, I don't necessarily think that's the best way to do any of this. Like, yeah. I think that the, you know, I think there's a lot of value in, uh, in being able to, you know, to, uh, you know, roll with stuff and invent things along the way and be open to things. And I'm not, you know, the times that I've directed shorts and different stuff, I'm not, you know, I'm not about you know, meticulously planning everything until it has no life anymore. You know, yeah. and I, yeah, I actually yeah, don't yeah. know that that's a great thing. I don't think that's a great thing for films. I, I think that the, um, that uh, the ability to plan things to the degree that they are often, it's not really used very well. It's mostly, it's a lot of it's a kind of a waste, especially if things aren't figured out in advance yeah. anyway, but it's not, I don't think it, I don't think that, I think that kind of thing can lead to sort of, detachment that uh and that i don't particularly like i don't and i think that uh that movies you know tend to be a little bit feel a little hermetically sealed and particularly the action sequences are not necessarily great they lose a kind of spontaneity to them and yeah. uh and feeling to them when they're planned to death no i agree it's over it's overthought and then it gets lost yeah um, you've been able to, to do other projects. How do you like stepping out of your storyboarder position? Um, <laughs> I, well, I mean, you know, it, I, I mean, I'm, I'm open to any new challenges and stuff. And I, you know, I certainly, I, I, um, you know, I've always wanted to make films. I've always wanted to direct stuff. I don't necessarily want to make giant films. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm interested in, you know, 
drama and storytelling and stuff that, you know, that's a little more human scale for the most part. And, and even though I do, you know, I, I do comics and some of those are superhero comics and stuff that I've done uh, freelance, a lot of the stuff that uh, the things that I do, the, um, uh, the comics that my wife and I write some stuff together that I, that I also draw. And those, those are a lot more character oriented and a lot more, you know, grounded. And I, that's, that's the kind of stuff that my personal sensibility is, mm -hmm. is more oriented. I mean, it seems like a natural step almost to become a director from. Oh, I would think so. Yeah, it's just not as easy. As it's that. not as easy. But, I'm uh, not saying it's easy. Know, I'm saying yeah. like it seems like <laughs> that would be like, oh, I know everything. This, I you're figuring everything out before everyone else gets there so it's kind of like being a you're you're directing in a sense you're directing it visually yeah, I, so I mean, you're not but it's i mean i always feel uncomfortable with you know uh taking you know any credit like that because there's so many components to directing that are not you know that aren't about uh you know that aren't about you know just pre-planning you know yeah. that, um but uh well there's but so like, many opportunities to the I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. No. Go. I was just there's a lot of opportunities that come up too, like once they see a new location, and then things change, and then which I'm I'm yeah. sure it like affects the storyboard sometimes too. But there's opportunities of like, oh, look at this little room over here that they can come out of, or you know, things that that just come up that you know are you know pleasant surprises and 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 help visually. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you're like, oh, shit, we, there's no doors. He was supposed to come through a door and we're at this location. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah. so. Well, yeah. And often, I mean, and there's a lot, yeah, there are a lot of films where I've been, you know, uh, you know, I've been on certainly, you know, into shooting or on location with them or whatever, where like, oh, something's coming up, you know, I, on Logan, there was a, uh, sequence in a casino it's like they're you know they're off doing something else but i you know and it's like oh just you know i i would just go down to the location and and try to figure stuff out uh and board it based on that see if there are any opportunities in that uh you know in in the location to to do something interesting with it i mean i guess luckily the uh the um the security is pretty lax for some reason at the, uh, at the yeah. casino and in, uh, in, uh, uh, in new Orleans where I just went and like laid on the floor and took photographs of everything and nobody seemed to care. That's but, insane. You know, uh, you know, like, that's insane. I was a casino dealer and uh, they would flag down anybody ever taking pictures. Like you weren't even allowed to take pictures. Yeah. That's it's crazy. funny. I, I don't know. Oh, maybe, uh, I guess at Harrah's in uh, New Orleans. They oh, I was in Harrah's Atlantic City. That is really funny. I started to watch Logan and I didn't get to finish it, but I've seen it before. Um, I love that film. I think as a standalone film, it's really good. Yeah, I, li I liked it a lot. I'm not, you know, uh, I have worked on a couple of, I, over the years, worked on a couple of X Men movies. Uh, I was not, I was not enthusiastic about the idea of doing another one. Mm. Uh, but but uh, after talking to Jim Mangold about it, and you know, and 
knowing that he was trying to make a real movie, not some superhero sequel, yeah, uh, was really important, you know, and that, uh, and like, I think that the intention the whole way had been to, you know, to make something that, you know, is, that's a movie, not a sequel, not a, yeah. you know, not, I, I think it is just a movie that works on its own. And, uh, and that's, that's so much more what I'm interested in doing than, you know, than something that is, you know, I, I'm, I've not worked on any of the proper Marvel movies. Um, and that's partly by design. It's not really, I don't know that those are, those are for me in a lot of ways. And, um, and I think that uh, I would much, much rather, if at all possible, work on something that at least is tr- is trying to be a film that stands on its own. Well, I, I have to say, like, even, like, Ford versus Ferrari or Interstellar, I mean, you definitely have films that are standalone, like, yeah. amazing films. <laughs> I mean, your, your resume is pretty incredible, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have... Yeah, I mean, it's mainly just, you know, it worked out that way. Well, do you, but do when you do a film like Interstellar versus like Ford versus Ferrari, is there more freedom in one versus the other because like something like, um, like Interstellar's space or is that, then are you tied to like space stuff? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Is it hard? Well, I mean, I think in a way that the, with Interstellar, it's, you know, it was very, um, uh, I mean, it's still, even though a lot of the stuff at the end of Interstellar was not as figured out as, you know, I mean, on uh, Nolan writes very sparsely. So uh, it, like sparsely to the point of absurdity sometimes where, you know, uh, the, the amount the information you're actually getting in the script is so limited. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're relying on other things if they're other references if they're there to figure out even what what it is you're working with. But the um, so when you get to uh, these incredibly abstract things towards the end of it, those those were a little bit more open, and that was a lot about you know uh, talking to uh, visual facts, talking to Paul Franklin, and and trying to figure out like how to approach these things. So like in some ways that's more open, but it's, but there's nothing feels ever feels particularly open about a Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, And it, you know, it's, it's all very kind of, um, you know, it's, he, he, he creates a very insular world. Mm. So uh, with, but um, on Ford versus Ferrari, there was more of a script. The script changes to a degree. Jim, with Jim Mangold, it is uh, the process is a lot more open. He, you know, uh, you know, he revises things a lot more and comes up with ideas, and we work through ideas. And some, you know, they don't always go anyplace. Uh, Logan had a very different. You know, had a couple of very different iterations, uh, even while I was on the show. You know, it wasn't like. Uh, the thing that it ended up being was exactly what we started for in the first place. And I like, I do like working with Jim in the, in that it's, well, I mean, I like working with just cause I like, I like the guy we get along and we, we, you know, both of us are very much into, uh, you know, old movies and, and uh, film history and stuff like that. And, and so kind of have a common language for a lot of that stuff. 
but the uh, but it it's I do like the in some ways it's more open to work with him on these projects just because there are you know it, the ideas are less set you know you're mm. throwing out different stuff you know he's revising things the process is just a lot more uh you know organic right. so uh it's you know and i i i like that i like the um i like well yeah because you have free but, but both you have create, very, you know both I'm sorry. You you want to create too. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's it sounds yes, you yeah, don't want to be so yeah, controlled. Yeah, but, totally. But it's know. also just both of them are good though. Both processes are good. Like if the you know, like having actually having a script and knowing the thing exactly the thing that you're doing is such a rarity that uh that that's that's a really good thing too. I mean, they're all just different processes and I think that, you know, all of it's valid. Do you well it is It is a weird thing how it all seems to get done and, and we do all have different processes. Like, I'm sure the way, even when you get a script, like, do you read the whole thing through and then start to research or do you research as you go? Like, everyone has a different different way yeah. of, of doing it all. I mean, but... I mean, I, def- I definitely want to read the whole script. I definitely want to know what this story is we're telling. You know, I mean, I don't want to work... I mean, in some ideal world, I don't want to work on a movie where I don't know what right. the story is we're telling and, and whether it's something that I feel like I can contribute something to. Uh, so, I mean, I think that, um, you know, and as far as just my process of doing research, I mean, I... You know, it particularly, I mean, several of these things for Ferrari and, you know, uh, uh, something that I'm sporadically working on now throughout the uh, pandemic, uh, but can't talk about are, you know, have, you know, historical elements to them. So it's not like you can't, you know, it's something that you can dive into and, uh, and have a real context for the world that you're, mm. you know, uh, that you're working in, whereas something else that's, very fantasy oriented or something doesn't until you know until the somebody nails all that stuff down personally i like like working in something where i have a really good sense of what the world is where we're telling the story and the tone that we're trying to to aim for yeah i can imagine just reading interstellar and being like where do i begin (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I really liked that movie. And I actually, I think I saw a Q&A with Christopher Nolan on that. But I I liked that movie. But damn, it's it's another sort of like Inception, sort of like in, uh, confusing and or like what just happened. And but yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> That's yeah. just me. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly I think that Inception is a more successful movie, but uh, yeah. just creatively. But like I. Uh, you know, I, um, as far as how to approach something like that, I think, I believe that like the first thing I did on that was something pretty grounded. It was, you know, early on in the film with, you know, driving through cornfields and stuff like that. So, uh, mm. I mean, but the first thing that I did on inception, the, which was the first thing I did with Chris at all was the, you know, fight in the elevator that's rotating and, you know, and he's, and he's like, it's not the elevator that's rotating. It's the entire world that's rotating. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but uh, it, it was, so that was unbelievably complex that just, 
every bit of that was complex. But at that point, it was also kind of a good challenge. I was uh, it was I was at a point where I was very down on doing storyboards. Uh, I you know that was you know 2009. I think I had already been you know I'd been working for you know like 12 years or something like that. I had, um, like the last couple of big movies I'd worked on were not good experiences. Uh, I worked on Spider-Man three with Sam Raimi for like two years. And it was, it was a really difficult experience, which was pretty clear that it was not going to be a good movie at every point along the way. So uh, it, um, and, but it was also the most intense experience I've ever had working on a movie. So uh, it like uh, it working on with Chris on inception was good because it was a little, it was very different from everything else. And it was a big, interesting challenge uh, that actually had a script. And you know, when, so having a script in that instance, you know, is good. When you when you're hired and you you start, are you usually on the whole run of the filming? Not necessarily. It really just depends. I mean, uh, for the Nolan movies, I was not on the whole time. I you know maybe would come back and do uh, do some small bits of reshoots or something, but almost always was very uniform and I'd be on for like four months before they started shooting. And, mm. uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the other things where, I mean, I was on through a, quite a lot of Logan's shooting. I was on, I mean, on Spider-Man three, I was on, I had already been on the movie for a, a, over a year. And then, and I was not the only storyboard artist on that. There were multiple storyboard artists on that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I was on through the entirety of shooting, going to New York. Being, I was on set almost every day trying to talk to Sam about, because I was sort of in charge of the previs, uh, certain previs sequences as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so I would have to go there, talk to Sam about that, try to, you know, uh, try to get him to approve shots try to it was like a middle management job or something so um uh which was not great (laughs) and uh it was less it was less about drawing storyboards than it was just directing well but it was directing the previs just in a way that was sort of sublimated sublimated to to sam so i i I would work with the previs artists we would you know uh, we'd create shots and then i'd take them to sam to try to get them approved uh but the process of making that movie was so chaotic and there was no, there was no ending. There was no idea what the big ending would be exactly most of the time. And, uh, Sam Raimi was not particular. And then, uh, at a certain point I had, uh, I came on the movie later than a lot of the other people who had worked on the previous Spider-Man movies with him. And not a lot of work had gotten accomplished yet, even though they'd have been on it for many, many months. And so, and I like to get things done and I, I like to be kind of practical and move forward on things. Yeah. And so, uh, like I was assigned a sequence and, uh, and like, you know, which meant I, I was boarding it, but I also would then work with the previous people to, you know, to do the, you know, the full previous for it, uh, and previous animatic for it. And like, uh, and so, I just did that. I, I, you know, uh, I, I worked on this thing. I show, showed it to Sam. I got, I worked with the previous people to get it done and we worked really hard. And I had a little team of people, a couple, a few of whom I'd worked with previously on other films. And, uh, and we finished this sequence and, and everybody was like, Oh my God, they actually did something. Like <laughs> something got accomplished. Something got finished. It's like the only sequence that got finished. Right. And, uh, and so, uh, and so then I was like, my reward was getting assigned the 
whole battle thing, the, the big ending of it, which no one ever figured out, no one wanted to figure out. And I spent most of the rest of the movie struggling to get Sam to commit to something with that. And, uh, and basically it never worked out. There was nothing to do with it. And, uh, and it became a, a, a quite the frustrating experience. So all of these, you can have all of these things, you can have all these tools and you can have all of this pre-planning, but really if there isn't a certain, just like commitment to the script, to the thing that we're doing to the, you know, uh, uh, it doesn't really amount to anything. It doesn't matter how much you pre-plan something. Yeah. Uh, if you don't end up doing it, you know, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but that makes sense. See, now that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Do you, do you ever get to, like, if you're on something for that long, do you get to work on two projects or three projects or whatever at the same time? Can you overlap? Not on that one, because every, on that one, every day I was at Sony, mm. I was, there were days where I was at Sony for 19 hours and stuff like that. Cause they, oh. I'd be there all day while they were shooting, they would wrap and then I'd go back to editorial with Sam, uh, and you know, uh, and work with all them. And editorial was very integrated into this whole process as well. But um, so it, not on that, although at the very end of it, I actually, that was 2006 or seven. And, uh, yeah. and at the very end of it, I was still on after rap, actually come to think of it on that one. Uh, I was on for a couple of months after rap for just to be there in case because Sam would never shoot anything if he didn't have it rep represented in some way as a board, as a previs, anything. Right. So he needed things to be like, uh, preconceived in some way. So I would just sit there all day. He'd have like one shot that he needed boarded that day. I would do that. I'd have nothing else to do all day. So I just started drawing a graphic novel while I was there and never really knew I was doing it. And, uh, and it, it wasn't like a secret because I just had nothing else to do. So, uh, right. but they need me anyway. Right. So that's actually kind of how I came back to doing comics, uh, and how I, uh, and, and for the last, you know, ever since then I've sort of had a parallel career doing films, but, uh, not always like doing, doing, films about half of the time and doing comics, graphic novel work the other half of the time. That's amazing. Because the comics are more, of a, that, that's sort of a more direct creative outlet for me. I'm, I'm writing, I'm drawing, I'm telling the whole story. It's a kind of, it's the a story I want to tell, you know, I mean, these are all these other, I do my absolute best on every project for on, on the films, but you know, I wouldn't choose to tell most of these stories. They're the director or the, and the writer and everybody, that's their passion. So uh, I, you know, and I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to do my best within that framework, but I uh, doing comics is about being able to tell stories that I'm passionate. That's incredible that you have that other outlet and, and in, have a passion for it. That's amazing. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's all done. It's all down to storytelling, right? So, you know, comics are just another form of visual storytelling and it's a, a, a more sort of pared down thing compared to a movie. You can only, there's a, there's a page and you can only have that many panels on a page, but it's uh, you know, but there's a kind of poetic spare quality to, to, you know, to telling the story that way. And, uh, that really appeals to me as well. You've also done, uh, been credited as illustrator is I, yeah. I mean, I know the difference kind of, <laughs> 
But <laughs> do you, uh, I, it seems like you enjoy being a storybook artist more than an illustrator, but can you, can you tell me a little bit like um, where that line is? I mean, well, on films, the, uh, the, the illustrations are more oriented towards the art department for the most part about, you know, showing sets about, you know, uh, you know, conceiving, uh, the visuals from the point of view of the production designer and, um, and, and very much oriented towards design. Mm. And I think that, um, like that's something that while I really admire it and it's very integral to everything, my skill set is not really so much about design in that way. And I'm much more about, uh, sequentially telling a story about, you know, uh, uh, about how uh, to, you know, uh, to tell a story in a series of shots. And, uh, you know, that's, that's like, that's what interests me the most. Right. And, uh, and doing design oriented stuff just isn't particularly interesting to me. So, I mean, I've certainly done it, but I don't think that that's where my, um, that, I don't think that's the best use of me. So, I mean, I, I think that, um, uh, and the, which is not to say there isn't an enormous amount of storytelling in, uh, uh, in illustration, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's also, uh, the illu- just, the, um, the illustrations I, are more I do like the fast and looseness of forms. Mm, I see. Wow. I know. I don't, I mean, I've only worked on two films <laughs> and or three and, um, I don't, we don't, I mean, they're like little tiny ones. We're not storyboarding anything. I have yeah. worked a couple times on TV shows where they're like an action sequence and like, we should storyboard this. And it's like, Ooh, that's so exciting. They're getting a storyboard artist. Here. Yeah. <laughs> but I could, I could see how like illustrating is sort of more of like setting the, the overall scene and where the storyboard yeah. is more of the action of the lo- of the dialogue. Right? Is that right? It's more of the way that the story is told visually throughout the movie. I mean, it's, uh, and like, you know, it, it's more the equivalent of, you know, if you have a, if, if there's, you know, if there's a set there on stage, you know, you could stand back at, at one corner and you can look at the whole thing and you can, you know, uh, and you could, you know, and, and see exactly, you know, uh, you know, all the elements of it, how it's dressed, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, doing the boards is more like walking in there with the, you know, uh, you know, and, you know, and, and taking out a camera and, uh, and showing the way things happen within that set, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's like the priorities of it are different. The priorities of a, of an illustration are about the, uh, about explaining how everything is, you know, what, what the opportunities of something are, how, you know, how it, you know, it could look overall, but that's not what you're going to see in a movie. You see the way that it's told through the camera, you know? And so my, my focus is always about how not, not how are we going to show off this set? I don't care how you show off the set. I I don't, I I don't really care. I only care how much you see of the set. I like to keep it wide. I I like to keep it wide. That's how, that's what I like to say. (laughs) Keep it wide. (laughs) Keep it wide. That's what everybody 
it's, that's the thing. That's that's why I have to be an unpopular opinion for the people in the art department, right? Because I'm not because I'm not concerned about that. I want. I just. I only am interested in how we're. If you know, if we need to be wide in order to to tell this story, in order to get this emotion across, in order to like you know, in order to see something that's absolutely integral to the story, then we should be wide. If we're not, you know, if it's about, uh, you know, uh, a, a specific piece of business, a look on an actor's face, a, a movement through a room or something yeah, like that, absolutely. you want all you, you want, you need to be telling a story from, you know, that in the way that's most visually effective to get that across, regardless of whether or not we can see the set. <laughs> absolutely. I get it. Have you ever... Have you ever um, walked onto a set and then thought, oh, you know, I could rethink this now that I'm in it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And even in the most, you know, uh, you know, in its like when it's, you know, just the bare bones of a set, you know, you can get some sense, you know, whenever I'm working on a show and things are, you know, and they're building something or I'll go down to the stage and look at it or if I'm on it, you know, or just on a tech scout, you know, I mean, those yeah. things change all the time. You go on a scout and there's, you know, just different opportunities for the way to show something visually. I'm not, a, you know, it's, it's absurd to try to like, you know, force through an idea that isn't, you know, that you can't shoot that we dumb. you know, you well, should yeah. like integrate the thing, the elements that you have. And it's always about taking the, um, like if there, if, you know, if you're, it's, you know, it gets into a vague area where it's more like writing than boarding, but there, but in creating action sequences and stuff, often you're, you know, you're, you're inventing a lot of the business and the action and stuff. And the way, you know, and the answer yeah. to everything is always to use what's already there. Uh, if you, you know, don't, you know, don't make up some ex extra component, uh, some, you know, some, you know, some extra thing, an extra room, an extra, you know, uh, prop or whatever you use, what's already there and you, and, um, and that's going to inform the better way to tell the story. I like that because I don't like to get up to <laughs> shit. <laughs> are you, uh, are you watching anything now that's that, um, well, when you watch things, do you try to guess like if, what sequences were storyboarded? <laughs> Uh, no, because it doesn't matter. Like, it, it doesn't even matter. Like, it's not, it's a, you know, if anything, it's, uh, you know, the boarding thing is just, it's just a way to express what the director would do, a way to express how the, how the thing's going to be shot. So ideally not, you know, ideally it wouldn't seem like that, but, um, I, I, but I do feel like there's, um, uh, but, you know, so so opinions about how something uh, when I'm watching something and how it uh, how it works is a, is a lot just about is more about criticizing the directing. Right. But the uh, but like I, I do think that there's a lot of uh, um, uh, that there's something that's been lost over the last several years. Uh, there, there's a lot of amazing TV. But, the, um, but since the director on television is a more functionary sort of position than the uh than on a film uh there there are a lot of things that end up being a little bit uh you know i mean we've fallen into a thing where uh you know even really good looking television shows don't necessarily tell the story with the camera the way that they could and don't necessarily and often make 
odd choices that seem to me uh, counterintuitive or pointless. I mean, there's in every, uh, like every time you watch a TV drama show, there will be a moment in a, uh, in uh, some intense scene between two characters where we cut to a profile shot of one of the actors for no reason whatsoever. Like it doesn't serve any dramatic purpose. If there isn't dramatic intention behind the, uh, behind the way that it's shot. And there's there's a general sense of, scattershot filmmaking uh out there at the moment which is made possible because of digital because of being able to shoot with multiple cameras and all sorts of other you know stuff like that i mean the the profile shot comes from the multiple cameras right it's the editors are choosing that because it's there but you know but like it uh they were what we're losing is is an intention behind why we're shooting what we're shooting and what angles we're shooting it from. And so just as a thinking of it as a storyboard artist watching something, that's what I think about the most. That's what bothers me the most when I see something is when, uh, you know, it, there isn't, there's no intention behind why we've put the camera someplace. Right. It takes you out of it. It must, I mean, it must take you out of it. It takes me out of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it takes me out of it when I see like a chair that I've rented a million times and I'm like, oh, Omega. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Yeah. There's that chair I've used. Oh, I know where they got that. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm out of it all the time because I search for it and I'm, and, and, and more of a sense of like, oh, they used it like they used that like this. I would have never thought to use it like that or and or, oh, I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check. I did that. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, another thing that I, not to just only complain about things, but the only, the other thing that takes, uh, that takes me out of stuff, I, I'm not actually a big fan of, uh, of shots that call attention to themselves. You know, I don't, I don't think that you get points for being clever I don't, I generally don't care about, uh, uh, about it's all in one shot, you know, it's all one long shot. And so the audience sits there and uh, appreciates that it's all in one shot. Who cares? You know, I right. mean, like I, it's, it's not, I don't think that things should be, uh, I don't think the audience should be thinking about that at all, you know? And if you're thinking about how something is all in one shot, you're certainly not thinking about the movie or the emotion or what's going on. So I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very pro, uh, cutting and I think I'm much more pro cutting than everybody else is in, in the world <laughs> these days when things can be so easily stitched together. I noticed in rewatching, uh, Inception that I feel like there was just music on the whole time. Like it was almost overscored yeah. to me and it took me out of it of like, man, there's never like a. There's like maybe two well, silent but, moments in this. It's like really like you're just up and I, and I could see that with yeah, not having a cut. The, the, like you're just it's oh I never I never the audience never gets a break. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that also might be particularly noticeable because the that composer's work is now the template for virtually every piece of music that you hear in movies. <laughs> you know, I mean, everything has yeah. the has an almost identical sound to it. So, uh, it, you know, there, there's, there's not a lot of, um, variety in, uh, there's not as much variety in, in scoring as there is. That sound is very fashionable. I'm glad to hear that you're, you're secretly working on something because it does seem that there aren't a ton of movies anymore. I, there are not, things are not 
going well out there at the moment. And, uh, and I'm only, I'm sort of working on something. I mean, every, I'll work for a couple of weeks, every couple of weeks, because it's not really going forward yet. You know, it's, uh, uh, so, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I certainly feel fortunate to, to have anything going on though. Cause I know many, many other people, you know, in my union and elsewhere, you know, are not working at all. Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm happy to have just, you know, just through relation prior relationships have, uh, have a little bit of, of work to do throughout. This. That's awesome. Well, it probably gives you more time to work on comics and writing and, other passions. Yeah, I mean, in theory, although being creative during all of this has not been quite, you know, it's, I think pretty much, I'm with everybody else when it comes to not, you know, not feeling like I've been able to use any extra time I've had and and have the inspiration to uh, be creative because uh, everything in the world is unbelievably bleak. Yeah, yeah, yep. But do you, you talked about, um, Hitchcock and uh, yeah. and I've, I'm assuming your mom had influence on you. Is there anything that you're watching now or that you've seen lately that influences you? Um, I yeah, I mean, I uh, the um, I I've really enjoyed uh, um, that uh, the German television show uh, Dark that's on uh, Netflix. I think that yeah. that, that show is excellent. Uh, I um, I also, which is, uh, even though I was slagging off TV shows there, I think that show's great. Um, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of uh, Parasite. Uh, I, um, and there've been, you know, like, and, I, and I'm just a huge fan of, you know, people, you know, I mean, I think in, in what the greatest, one of the greatest things about Parasite is that he's able he was able to like actually use the craft in a way that yeah. you know that didn't feel like you know I love suspense I love you know uh, I, I love you know being able to you know create uh, an emotion and a feeling out of nothing kind of you know I mean that and that was very much what Hitchcock was you know he you know he um you know it was it was less about the um you know, the, uh, it, it was, it was more about just the, the formal aspects of, of a film creating a feeling than, uh, you know, than, uh, you know, a, a more literate script or something. So it's, yeah. it's the, you know, the form is the thing that is uh, making the impact. And I think that, that when, when something's able to do that, that's, that's what really excites me. Yeah. I really enjoyed that film. I thought it was something different. I was like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's going to win because it's something different. People just want to like need something out of our little, either it's a Marvel film or it's like yeah. a low budget film is basically all that's out there. I feel those mid, you know, those. Well, mid- no, I mean, and it's not even, uh, I mean, it's not just about feeling. I mean, the fact is it's there. I mean, there used to be uh, mid range budget films made that just aren't anymore. I mean, yeah. there are either giant, movies that are based on IPs or there are, you know, there are movies made for, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, you know, and that, and the, the fact is that you can't, you know, there, you know, there aren't, there, there are very few of, 
you know, of just even not great. I mean, there was, yeah. there was a whole middle range yeah. of movies, like thrillers and things that were Rom-coms. not, you know, uh, not even necessarily the greatest movies. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, you know, but, but it, it get, you know, but it, there, but things were more varied and, and I, uh, and I do really miss that sort of thing. And I do think that, you know, uh, you can, te- you can definitely tell a story for a hundred thousand dollars in a film, but, you know, but you're limited in every way. You're li- and time is the the thing that you know uh, that everybody is uh, bound by in in making films. And if the if you don't have the time to tell the story in a crafted way, you're there's a whole a whole strata of movies that are never going to be able to be told. I you know, know. and I, know. I, I think that that's sad. I mean, I think that it's uh, I think that the TV stuff is great in a lot of ways in the way that it can you know. Uh, you know, we, we, there's a lot more diversity in the subject matter and, and opportunities for different people to tell stories. But I, I think that, uh, it's still about the time you have to do it and the time you have to craft it that, uh, that can get in the way of certain kinds of stories being told. Yeah. I do like limited series, uh, especially because it seems like it's just a mini movie. Like at least you have an ending and, and for someone who has worked on them or is, and it's sort of like, Oh, I know, like, this isn't coming back. Like I have, Mm -hmm. this is it. This is what we have to present. Like, this is what we have to show. And it's, and I feel like that's more and more in television now that you just have this, you, you have your, your rainbow and they have a beginning and an end and you're done. Like it's not going to keep going and going and and i like that as like oh it's like a mini movie this is cool i, I mean you know yes and it and having an ending i mean i'm a big believer in having an ending i think that uh I, i'm not even sure it is a story if it doesn't have an ending so i i think that that's uh you know you can spin plates forever but if you know uh, but if you're heading towards something and you're able to pay that off over the course of your story i think that that's the most important Did you ever watch lost there was no ending there was no ending. No, I didn't make it through Lost. I didn't. <laughs> I think they made that I, up. I, I, I figured it out. Yeah. yeah. I figured out we weren't going anyplace. Yeah, I know. I, I stuck in through the whole thing and it was sort of like, man, I feel like you cheated me a little bit. The pilot of Lost is phenomenal, but the whole thing. Yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't. Well, but, you know, setting, setting up is. It's a lot easier than paying off, you know, <laughs> so uh, you can you can you can set things up and be very charismatic at setting things up. Uh, but uh, when it comes to actually like ending something or uh, and, you know, and it's the fact that your ending should have come out of what you set up in the beginning, no matter what. Yeah. So if you're just setting up stuff without an idea of where you're going, then you're probably not going to end any place good. True. I've taken up an hour and a half of your time, <laughs> minus my kids well, screaming. Well, <laughs> we ended on talking about endings, so that's probably good. <laughs> I know that was pretty good. Um, I uh, really, I can't thank you enough. So uh, let me ask you one more thing, though. Did you know um, Harold? Did you know him? I at did all? not. No. Um, the- the, uh, I was approached by uh, Dan Rame, the director, through a mutual friend because, you know, just to be somebody who represented, you know, storyboard artists now, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, did, I, I did work uh, briefly with, when I was, like, one of the very first shows I did, uh, I, I worked briefly with Henry Bumstead, who was oh, a yeah. uh, Hitchcock production designer. 
And, uh, and like, so, um, you know, I have a little bit of a connection to that. And actually that stuff like that, even though, you know, most of what Henry Bumstead did was uh, complain about the goddamn liberals. Uh, it was, <laughs> which was uncomfortable. Uh, it was still, uh, you know, um, it was still interesting. I, I like the, the, some of my favorite things about, you know, being able to work in films are the, you know, the times I've worked with or met people that were connections to like an old Hollywood, a Hollywood of yeah. some time ago, oh, yeah. that, you know, that I, you know, that, that we can come nowhere near anymore. And so, uh, yeah. you know, meeting somebody like that or, or even to, you know, to another degree, you know, even working with somebody like Ed Vero who worked on, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. and stuff like that. You know, I mean, that I, I you know, those things are, uh, to me, some of the highlights of, uh, you know, where, and I didn't work with him, but I met uh, uh, Robert Boyle, who is uh, Hitchcock's production designer because he came and visited um, awesome. uh, one time uh, when uh, 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 I think he was a mentor of Bo Welsh and I worked with Bo Welsh uh, multiple times. Who's a great production designer. Oh my God. So, you know, I, I love Lemony Snickets, by the way. That was like, I, Oh yeah. I loved it. I mean, it's, I don't know. I think it holds up too. <laughs> even, even against the Netflix series, I think it holds up. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the Netflix series, but I mean, it certainly uh, visually, I think that that worked well. And, and I liked working with all those people. That's awesome. Oh, I, I think I exhausted you. <laughs> all right. That's fine. <laughs> um, Now, I told you, that was interesting. I didn't know all those things about storyboard artists. I mean, even though I wanted to be one at some point, I didn't know. And Gabriel really just has worked on these incredible films. When I rewatched Inception, I thought, what three seconds of this movie wasn't storyboarded? Because it's really the whole, every sequence I feel like probably needed to be relationship you have to develop with a director in order to guide them visually along the film because that's what you're doing you're helping them visually so I just I'm so glad I got to speak with him I, I hope I I hope I get to speak to more storyboard artists because it's fascinating oh, it's fascinating to me I love it um, very nice guy and uh, yeah, sorry again about uh, about those little screams. It's I know it sounded like murder. I am sorry. I could I couldn't take it out. I'm sorry. This is the fiftieth episode of Decorating Pages podcast. So thank you so much for all of your support and for listening, even this long in. If you're still listening, thanks. You're you're a true fan. Um. And as a true fan, you probably should just click, 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 review this. Five stars. Right. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, I can't even believe I made it 50 episodes and people are listening. How kind of you. So thank you. Uh, upcoming, I have AD director Jeff Rosenberg, um, who I've worked with for a while and is just uh, such a fun guy and is directing his own film that he's written and got the money together and directed and I just thought listening to that process is I, I just thought people would really want to listen to that and as I said next week 
Myself and production designer James Pierce Connolly will be reviewing the Emmy winners. So congrats to everybody and uh, tune in for that. I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Wanup for Decorating Pages. There's still time to float in style. Stogie Floaty Luxury Pool Float. Available on Etsy, Amazon, and stogiefloaty.com.